ask you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. I am aware of the time, but I'm also aware of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wins out over time every time. That's the way it works. So uh, one of my favorite things about our church, I'm just going to say this, besides all of you, it's a given, right? My favorite things is um, when we come together is that prayer time. I mean, the fact that we we will just hang out there if we have to. There's, um, yeah, we, there's nothing better than that. I mean, Eddie gets to visit a lot of churches, and we rush through things so quick, so much on a Sunday morning. It's to be able to hang out, to be the people of God, sitting under the caring of our Heavenly Father is a beautiful reality for us. And so I praise the Lord for that. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, as we're going through Advent series, we're looking at the, the reality of the coming of Jesus. We're looking at it with expectation. He has come. There's a world that has not heard that He has come. And there's a world that has not heard that He's coming back. And so we always have to keep that in mind is when we're talking about the coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, we're talking about his advent. We have a world that needs to hear. And so what I want to do as I begin today is I want to give away a couple of books, if I could. Um, the first one is actually an advent devotional for family. And uh, it's a fantastic devotional. Um, just came out last year. Really, really good. You're about six days behind, but you can catch up on this. But I'd encourage um, you to look through this, to read through it. So if you will use it, the first person to raise their hand gets it. All right. All right. Do you guys want it? No? Okay. There you go. Very good. And then I have a couple of other books here. And these come with a bit of a caveat. You have to give these to someone. Okay. So I have two books here. They're called A Very Different Christmas. What are you hoping for this year? Um, it's actually an evangelistic book the gospel um, through the story of Christmas. And uh, what I want to do is I want to give two of these away. I also have some out here, uh, the book nook. And this is the goal. The goal is for you to take it, to flip through it, to know what's in it, but to give it away this week. That's the goal. Okay, the goal is to give it to someone this week. So first two hands that are up. All right, there's one and there's two. All right, very good. All right, and there are more out there as well. So I encourage you to pick that. Why, why would I do that? Well, because... When we talk about for unto us, a child is born, for unto us a son is given, our job as believers is to proclaim the excellencies of that child, the excellencies of the son that has been given to us, and to proclaim it to people so that they will become part of us, so that the us grows. And so if we come into Christmas this year, if we come into Advent again, and it's only about gathering around the manger going, oh, look at baby Jesus, he loves us so much. And we forget that our job is to make sure the us grows (laughs) and to proclaim to others so that next year there'll be more us. That's our job. That's why we're here. That's our purpose as a church. We say it every week. To proclaim the excellencies of Him who's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. That is why we exist. And so when we read through Isaiah 9 and we hear of the darkness, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light and the light has shined on them. We know that the light has come into the darkness. And the light was not a distant light. The light was a light that was shining on God's people. And it wasn't a 
dim light. It was a great light, a glorious light that makes the darkness disappear. That's our Jesus as He comes into the darkness. We know that the, the Savior who comes, the child who comes is a deliverer, one who will take all of the bloodshed away and will crush all of the enemies so that we will have peace and the peace of His kingdom will be forever. We know that this child who's come comes with the zeal of the Lord behind him so that everything that he touches he has dominion over. He is Lord. He is the King. So when we're talking about this child, for to us a child is born, Isaiah 9, verse 6, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We have to remember all that Jesus came to accomplish. And if you're putting it into those terms, in this passage we see that it's darkness turned to light, deliverance from doom, and dominion over all of creation. He is Lord. But today what I want to do, I just want to spend a few moments looking at the names that are given there. His name shall be called. The first one is Wonderful Counselor. So that's all we're going to do today. We're going to look at what it means for Jesus to be our Wonderful Counselor. But it's really important that we see there in verse 6 what it says. It says, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, Jesus did not walk this earth with Mary and Joseph looking at him. Oh, look at baby wonderful counselor. It's not what happened, right? This is baby Jesus. His parents gave him the name Jesus because the angel said you will call him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Okay, so this is the given name of this child that is born unto us is Jesus. He's also given another name. His name will be, you will call him Emmanuel, because he is God with us. So I want you to take those two realities. Jesus, who saves his people from their sins, and Emmanuel, God with us. And we're going to apply those realities to Wonderful Counselor. What does it look like for Jesus to be our Wonderful Counselor as Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus, the Savior of his people? A counselor in Scripture is really twofold. We might think of counselor as being, you know, you're in high school and you need to go to the guidance counselor, right? Um, I had to go to the guidance counselor a lot in high school. I know that's surprising to all of the teachers in the room. Um, spent a lot of time talking to my guidance counselor. I, I went through a lot of counseling when I was a teenager. Praise the Lord, I came out on the other side unscathed. Right. <laughs> wow, thank you very much. No, but the, but the the reality is that I I had to go through a lot of counseling. I, I know what it is to sit in a counselor's office. I've actually been told, why don't you lie back there and tell me how that makes you feel? That's actually happened to me in my life, and um, there are a lot of things that were going on in my life that ne I needed to work through. And, and so I understand what it is to be under counseling. But in scripture, counseling or a counselor is a little different than what we think of as a counselor. Okay, there's a twofold meaning here. The first is the counselor is a wise kind of lawyer type judge okay so a counselor looks at a situation and actually wisely speaks into it okay not just let me listen to your problems a counselor is one who wisely speaks into a situation if you want to think of somebody you could think of solomon he's brought a child right from two 
women claiming ownership and his solution, cut it in half. We'll see which one of you really loves it. Right? The, the wisdom to look at the situation, look above the situation and speak into the situation as a counselor. But there's a second dynamic here, and it's the dynamic of a ruler. Go back to Solomon as well. You can think about Solomon. He ruled in wisdom as well. So God prospered the land while he was ruling. So you have a ruler who is a counselor. You have a judge or a person who speaks into the situation who is a counselor. So we're thinking of wisdom and we're thinking of power when we think of a counselor. But there's a really cool dynamic going on here in Isaiah chapter 9. He's not just any counselor. He is a wonderful counselor. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Emmanuel is a wonderful counselor. God with us is a wonderful counselor. The Savior of His people is a wonderful counselor. I want you to flip over your Bibles to Psalm 139. I want you to see this because this is a beautiful reality. If you want to know what it looks like for Jesus to be our wonderful counselor, what does it mean for it to be wonderful, for Him to be wonderful? I want you to see it in Psalm 139. And let me, let me just go ahead and throw this out there real quick. Pastor Roger rightly brings up that we, as the people of God, need to be more urgent. We need to be more urgent about eternal things. We need to be more urgent about lost souls. We need to be more urgent about proclaiming the gospel. But I want you to know this. I believe that the only thing that brings urgency to the people of God is a new sense of wonder. We've become way too familiar with Jesus. We've forgotten that He is not only the Savior, but He is also the coming King who will execute judgment. We need to recapture some wonder here. So worship in wonder of Jesus is going to drive us to a new urgency to proclaim the greatness of Jesus. And we need to recapture some of this wonder. It's amazing to me this time of the year... And I said this last week, we get more awed by the flashing lights and the twinkling than we do by Jesus so often this time of the year. And we need to be captured by a wonder in Jesus and we'll be more urgent to proclaim the greatness of Jesus to others. But Psalm 139 tells us about the wonder of who our wonderful counselor is. It says this, O Lord, You've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. And I want you to know the psalmist doesn't think that's creepy. The psalmist is saying this is an act of praise and worship. He is wondering in worship at the amazing wisdom and knowledge of God. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me. This sounds like Isaiah 9, doesn't it? Surely the darkness will cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, 
intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In Psalm 139, this is what we see about the wonder of our counselor. The wonder of his knowledge is that it's too great for us to comprehend. So his knowledge is so wonderful, we cannot even begin to tap into, at, in the very least, how great it is. So it's one of those things, if you want to think of the word wonder, maybe this is the best way. Okay, You can see something beautiful and glorious, you could go, wow, that's awesome. But when wonder strikes you, you're left speechless. Okay, So you'll notice throughout this passage and throughout other passages in the Scripture, when wonder strikes the writer of Scripture through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what happens. They use words like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, right? Or un, 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 like unsearchable, unscrutable. I can't even begin to fathom. What's going on here? There's a, there's a certain quiet that comes over us in the sense of wonder. And when this wonder strikes us, we begin to understand that there's comfort there because His knowledge of us is too wonderful to comprehend. He knows every thought you have. And I don't mean that as a threat. I mean that as a promise. It's a great reality for believers. He knows every fear that you have. He knows every way that you need to be comforted. He knows everything you're going to say before it even comes out of your mouth. How much, how, how knowledgeable is he? This is how knowledgeable he is. He actually knew every day of your life and ordained it before you were even born. <laughs> That's his knowledge. Like, I don't know what's happening in an hour, right? You showed up today and thought you'd be eating by now. So you were wrong. He knows every single moment of every single day and ordained it from before you were born. That's how wonderful his So what what is there to fear if he's written it and he's holding it and he knows it? This is our wonderful counselor. His wisdom is too wonderful to comprehend. He is so wise that no one can even begin to search his wisdom and yet here's what he promises us. We're given the mind of Christ. So we're given access to that wisdom. Now, if that doesn't leave you speechless, I don't know what does. Now, there are lots of people who think they're wise. Right? We all know we're wise in something. We were The kids were in here practicing for Christmas Sunday, and, I, and um, Dylan was put up here as a wise man. I was like, more like a wise guy. Right? I think that's closer to it. But... You know, the fact is, we, we all think we're wise in something, and yet His wisdom is unsearchable. His wisdom is 
beyond comprehension. His love and His mercy in ruling over us and caring for us is too wonderful for us to comprehend. Romans 11 puts it this way. I just want you to hear this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. You see, in Romans 11, we see that the counsel of Jesus is unsearchable. It cannot be investigated and understood. Like, you can't write a research paper on the counsel of Jesus, on His wisdom, on His ways, and go, I got it now. You can't read the Bible through and say, got that one, mark that one off, right? You can't do it. You can never dive to the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. The counsel of Jesus is inscrutable. You actually cannot, you, you can't, you, you can't question it. Like his ways are unquestionable. So you can't sit there and say, well, I think I got this Jesus guy figured out. This is the way he works in everybody's life. Or this is the way he worked in my life. I wonder why he's not working in that guy's life that way. Or he worked in that guy's life over there. I wonder why he's not doing that in my life. His ways are inscrutable. You can't sit there and do that. Here's another way of putting it. Most of the time when it comes to the way God works in us through Jesus with his wisdom is we figure it out later, right? Because when you're in the middle of it, you're going, God, what are you doing? And it's when we turn around and look at the past and we see what he's done and he's working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's making us more and more like Jesus. We look back and in those moments he's demonstrating the unsearchable and inscrutable nature of his ways and his purposes and his wisdom and his knowledge. God's counsel is wonderful because God gets to set the rules. He's not, he's not held down by any of our rules. He's the one who sets the rules. No earthly measure will ever measure God. He sets the rules. No strategies are going to hem him in. We're not going to sit here and come up with a strategy and go, okay, God, we got this one figured out. Let's get you on board here. He sets the strategies. He will accomplish all that he purposes. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And that's good news for God's people. So I want to ask us a hard question then. If God's counsel as God with us, think about that for just a second. God with us. Emmanuel. He says, the psalmist says that if I were to rise on the wings of the dawn and I would go to the depths of the far side of the sea, you would be there. If I were to make my bed in Sheol, you, you're there. God with us. It's meant to be a comfort to us. It's meant to remind us that our wonderful Counselor is with us always. That His knowledge is not far from us. His wisdom is not far from us as His people. We have access to Him because He's come to us. We can never get to Him. He came to us. And I want to ask you this hard question. 
If we know that He is wonderful and we know that His counsel is perfect, why do we go to other counselors? This is what I mean. It's in Isaiah chapter 8. So if you're in Isaiah 9, you can flip over one page and you can see this. When we look at our world, when we look at things going on around us, and we look at what's happening in our lifetime, who is going to be our counselor in the middle of those things? That's the question for us today. Who's going to be our counselor? Who's going to be the one who's going to speak wisdom into our life? Who are we going to listen to? Whose knowledge are we going to search out? Who's going to give us our marching orders? That's the question for us today. And Isaiah chapter 8 verses 9 through 13 gives us a warning as Isaiah gives the people of God and the people who did not know God a warning. And I want you to see this warning. It has everything to do with the wisdom and the knowledge of God and Him being our counselor. It says in verse 9, Be broken, you peoples. Those are people outside of the people of God. And be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand for God is what? With us. That's our Emmanuel. God is with us. He he said God is with us and now we have God is with us. We have all of that promises, all those promises finding their yes in Jesus perfectly. So we have God with us, which means we can look at the enemies of God and we could say, make your best strategies. God will not fail. God will not fail. He will not fail. Take up arms if you have to. You will cause the kingdom of heaven to grow. It's God's design. It's the way he's done it from the beginning. You strike one down, ten come back in their place. It's the way it works. Does that mean that we're just going out seeking being martyred for the Lord? No, it means we can look at the enemies of God without fear. Because God is with us. Because God is with us. He goes on to say, For the Lord spoke thus to me, and this is now a word for the people of God, a warning for us. The warning for those outside, those who would be enemies of God is, you can say whatever you want to say. It's not going to stand. The word of the Lord lasts forever. Not your word. You can make your plans. They're they're going to fall. Because we have a king who rules and reigns. The warning for us is this. Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, the same Lord of hosts, whose zeal will do this, from Isaiah 9, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. Here's what Isaiah is saying, I believe. Fearing what the world fears leads us to doom. We align ourselves with the world. Everybody's got a conspiracy theory, folks. Some of them might even be right. I've got a conspiracy theory for you. I've got some people that are working together. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are working together to accomplish a purpose. I ask you, are you working with them? 
Are you working with them? That's the question for us today. There is a conspiracy. It should be no surprise to us. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. But we don't have to buy into conspiracy theories. And everybody's got a conspiracy theory. I don't care which cable news network you watch. Everybody's got a conspiracy theory, right? So I Don't buy into the conspiracy theories. We have a greater conspiracy. We, we have... We have a king who is running an insurgency in this world through you and through me to redeem mankind. If anybody wants to speak of conspiracies, maybe we should start talking about conspiracies. We have a plan, a purpose, a Lord, the Lord of hosts. So fearing what the world fears leads them leads us to doom. Looking for conspiracies is going to lead you to the wrong counselor. If you listen to and look for conspiracies in the world, you're going to end up listening to the wrong people. So, so I want to ask this as plainly as possible. Is the Bible, is the Word of God enough for you for marching orders? And if so, don't take your marching orders from other counselors. No matter how loud they are, no matter if they put a microphone in front of them, don't take your counsel from anyone other than the Word. Test them all by the Word. Test them all by the Word. Don't test them by party lines. Don't test them by channel that they come on. Test them by the Word. And may the Word be our marching orders because this Word that has been spoken will stand forever. Find counsel in God. Because in Jesus, the wonderful counselor, all of the greatness of God, all of the fullness of God, His wisdom, His knowledge, dwells for our encouragement, for our assurance. All of the fullness of God dwells to reveal that Jesus is our answer. He's the hope for the world. To protect us from the counsel of the world so that we will look to Him in wonder. The reason we listen to other voices is because we've become too familiar with Jesus. He's near to us and He's with us, but He should never be familiar You should always cause wonder. My prayer for you this Christmas is that you would wonder again at the baby. That you would wonder again at Jesus. And you would find comfort in knowing that wonderful Savior is your wonderful Counselor. So in Colossians, the Apostle Paul says this in Colossians 2. And it's my prayer for you as well. And I want you to know, I'm not saying these things. I've been pretty nice for a while in sermons. I'm not saying these things just to beat you up. I'm saying these things because I want you to know that there is a struggle in me as your pastor, that my desire wholeheartedly is that you would fear the Lord and not fear man, that you would follow the Lord and not follow the ways of this world, that you would find counsel in the Lord and find comfort in the Lord and nowhere else that He would be enough for you and for me. So the Apostle Paul says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. 
and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Folks, you got lots of questions, I know, about the world, but you find all the answers in Jesus. Because in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Don't go to another counselor. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. Wisdom, true wisdom, true knowledge is found nowhere else but in Jesus. Test every other counselor. Every single one. Otherwise you will fall prey to plausible arguments and to fear. May this Christmas be a freedom for you because you wonder again at Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be filled with wonder because of this child who has come to us, the wonderful counselor. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand together as we close and as we go. We go out as the people of God, remembering who we are and what he has called us to. So let's read together. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Amen. Go and let's not fear. Let's go in freedom and let's proclaim the greatness of Jesus.